the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, April the 11th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today, in 1814, Napoleon Bonaparte abdicated as emperor of the French and was banished to an island of Elba. Napoleon later escaped from Elba, returned to power in March of 1815, but didn't last long. The the Battle of Waterloo was in June. And it was over for Mr. Bonaparte. Today in 1865, President Abraham Lincoln spoke to a crowd outside the White House. He said, we meet this evening not in sorrow, but in gladness of heart. That would be the last public address Abraham Lincoln would ever give. Today in 1945, during World War II, American soldiers liberated the Nazi concentration camp in Buchenwald, Germany. Today, in 1961, former SS officer Adolf Eichmann, he went on trial in Israel, charged with crimes against humanity for his role in the Nazi Holocaust. Eichmann was convicted and executed. And one year ago today, Mimi Reinhardt, she passed away. She was 107 years old. So who is Mimi Reinhardt? Well, she was a secretary. She worked at the front desk. She was the secretary to Oscar Schindler. She typed the list of Jews that he would save from extermination by Nazi Germany. Schindler's list. She typed it. She died at 107. Whole Foods, Amazon-owned Whole Foods, grocery stores, the hippie-friendly, high-end grocery store. It's closing a brand new location on Market Street in downtown San Francisco. They built the store. They opened it one year ago. And they said, it's all over. We're done. The employees are afraid to get out of their cars and walk from the parking lot to the store. They're fearful. It's that bad in downtown San Francisco. One of the largest supermarkets, the news says this morning, One of the largest supermarkets in downtown San Francisco, the Whole Foods Market at 8th and Market, intends to shut down at the close of business day Monday. That was last night, I presume. A little more than a year after the store opened. Wow. Well, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, boy, he's out on the road today, makes his first campaign stop in the 2024 election cycle. One of the most competitive toss-up congressional districts, it's in New Mexico. It's currently occupied by a Democrat, but he thinks he can change that. And he thinks that he can get re-elected, a lady that served there, Yvette Harrell, um, a few years ago. She was beaten out by this Gabe Vasquez and uh, a Democrat, but McCarthy thinks he can turn it around, so he's landing there as we speak, I think, and he's going to be giving some speeches and raising some funds there and trying to get Yvette back on the Republican side of the House of Representatives. 
And President Biden and his party, they've selected Chicago. Man, I don't, I, I would, I, if I were the president of the Democrats, I wouldn't go to Chicago. But yeah, they've selected Chicago to host their 2024 Democrat National Convention. I know they used to go there every so often in the past, but man, Chicago's today is not what it used to be. It is, I mean, every day. In fact, Breitbart runs a story every day. And I know the Lori Lightfoot, the the mayor that's been there, she is no longer mayor uh, as of recent. But uh, they run a tab on their website, on their news website. And it's somewhere between 18 and 30 people are shot every single day. And then sometimes it spikes into the 50s in Chicago. I know the security will be significant there, but man. I don't know if I would want to go there for a political party or any other reason right now, but the Democrats are brave and they're progressive, so they're going to do this. The Republicans plan to hold their 2024 National Convention, they announced the other day. It's uh, Theirs is in July. The Democrats are in August, but the Republicans will be in Milwaukee, which is just north of Chicago. But I think I would choose Milwaukee over Chicago just as a matter of walking from your car to the convention center. But it shows that there's some real interest in the in the Midwest, I suppose, on both political on the part of both political parties. Know ye that the Lord he is God, it is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. Psalm one hundred. It continues, We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and unto the courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. I want to talk to you a little bit about his truth enduring to all generations this morning. I noticed an article in the Christian Chronicle said hundreds were baptized at the 2023 Winterfest. Students healed at California school as revivals continue across the United States. God's truth is continuing to all generations. Spiritual outpouring continues to transform the lives of young people across the country in the months following the Asbury revival, the article says. David Schilling, he's a youth minister at Hardin Valley Church of Christ in Knoxville, Tennessee. He told the Christian Chronicle that this year's festival, they've been doing this for a number of years, he said it didn't seem quite as larger-than-life-like as it usually does. But he said, because of that feeling, that lacking the pizzazz, the wow factor, I think he called it, he said that actually actually set the stage for a true move of the Holy Spirit among these kids from these various Church of Christ churches. He said, the Spirit of God moved upon us. He said, what was lacking in some of the presentations, he said, actually allowed more room for the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. 
He said the whole thing, as it started, just felt a little less grandiose. He said the sermons were great, though though he said some of them sounded like they were intended for an older audience. He said the worship was powerful, but there wasn't that larger-than-life wow factor that we've all come to expect at these big conventions. But he said, as it turned out, he said God had something else in mind, something bigger than the pizzazz and the wow factor. He said, during a second worship service, over 200 kids stepped forward to be baptized and to accept Jesus Christ. For the first time in their lives, they accepted him. He said, this is my 36th year doing Winterfest. He said, I've never seen anything like it. This Dudley Chansey, he's the the organizer of this. He said, meanwhile, students at Point Loma Nazarene University in uh, California He said, near San Diego, experienced an outpouring on campus in recent weeks. He said, it was phenomenal. This Cole Stark, he said the students had begun holding gatherings, the Nazarene kids, on Friday and Sunday nights. On one of the Friday meetings several weeks ago, Stark noted that the gathering went on for 24 to 26 hours. People just kept praying and worshiping and praying and worshiping. He said, it's awesome. They said they even saw... Kids healed physically in this Nazarene gathering at Point Loma. God is doing something in our generation, and I, I, I can't overstate it. I can't say it enough. We don't talk about that every day on this program, but we must be mindful of what God is doing. This is something that we have not seen for some time. That... The movie Jesus Revolution has busted the the box off. I mean, it's blown away Hollywood. They're still stunned because they Hollywood thinks they know we lived there, as you know, and served in a in a church, a very large church in in the in in the city in Hollywood, North Hollywood, and um, I know the mindset there. They think the earth is flat and it ends at the outside of Hollywood, there is no other earth except the one that they live in and dominate. But you know, that movie has been so impactful because it's well done and it tells a true story pretty much. I mean, there's a little, you know, enhancement to the story, but I lived through that. We were there. Marjorie and I were there during that time. And the movie tells the story quite well. But there is there is another story, and it's happening simultaneously with this movie. I mean, it's gross now, what, over 50 million, and, and, and they're just now releasing it to streaming and to other through other uh, vehicles of, of delivery. So who knows what it will ultimately gross as far as income, maybe $100 million. I don't know. But it's because there is... There's a real hunger in America. There's there's a sense that we don't have the answers to what we're trying to do in our lives, whatever it is. We just have run out of ideas and answers. The progressives just keep standing up <clears throat> with one more thing. I mean, they come up with something and think, well, we're going to do it this way. It, it never ceases to amaze me. Thinking of that, uh, excuse me, just, just a minute. Thinking of that market that closed in San Francisco 
um, the uh, Whole Foods. It, it that sort of to me is kind of symbolic. And I'm not I'm not saying it's a leftist market, although it probably did lead to the left because everything's left in downtown San, San Francisco. And certainly Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon, who owns Whole Foods, is a leftist from the get go. But, you know, when you look at that, it's kind of symbolic. Well, we'll try a big store here and oh, it doesn't work. We'll shut it down. That translates over to politics as well. And we live in a world that in our country today it's Democrat um, dominated because we have a Democratic president. And the progressives just continue in these cities to elect people who hold those far left progressive views. So on the one hand, you hear Seattle, you hear Portland, you hear San Francisco and other cities like that. You say, well, we've got to change. We have all this, these massive, you know, tents everywhere. These cities of, of people experiencing homelessness, I think it's the way they do it, the way they say it now. And all of this. So we're going to get rid of Lori Lightfoot in Chicago and we're going to elect XYZ. Well, they, the guy they elected there is more crazy far left than Lori. And I didn't think anybody could be, but from what I've read about them, I don't know them, but from what I've read about them, that her replacement is further left than she is, if that's possible. And you find that so often. Cities get sick and tired of the results, the consequences of what's happening in these cities all across America that are dominated by the left and they, and governors as well. And so they say, we've got to fix this. So they elect another progressive with a slicker presentation. And it just continues to create more of the same consequences. So they're always looking for an answer, but they're never finding that answer. Because the answer isn't found in secular progressivism as a worldview. The answers to the problems of our world, our contemporary culture today, April the 11th is found in the eternal principles of God. Those principles upon which this nation was founded. It isn't a deep, dark mystery as to why this nation prospered and became the most powerful, the most blessed, the most prosperous, the most free nation in the history of the world. Because we started out on the right track. It's not about Democrats and Republicans. It's about the worldview that these people hold. If you believe the truth is ever-changing, if you believe that you can be male or female or somewhere in between, if you so identify that way, if you believe all this stuff or even embrace it sort of, you're going to hit the wall every time. And these cities hit the wall. These states hit the wall. People are moving out of certain states. They're massively moving into other states based on the leadership. So these people continue rowing their boat right into the eye of the storm and wondering why the waves are so big. I'm a simple man, but you're in the wrong boat. And you shouldn't be out in a storm anyway. That's kind of where we are today, and it creates an enormous uh, sense of insecurity. And that's what the kids in our nation are experiencing today.
They've been fed all of this demonic ideology about their sexuality and their gender identity and blah, blah, blah. And these kids, they don't know left from right. I mean, they're looking for leadership. And they stand up these little six and seven and eight-year-old kids and say, now, Johnny, do you feel like a girl? Yes. Okay, right through this door. We're gonna, we have surgery scheduled for you. Well, I'm kind of overstating it, but not very much. That's what's happening. So there's a real sense of uncertainty, despair. Suicides among our youth have spiked. Charles Spurgeon, Spurgeon, the great evangelist, he once said, In prosperity, God is heard, and that is a blessing. But in adversity, God is seen, and that is a greater blessing. I want to talk to you a little bit about what we're seeing today, how God is moving among our youth. Adrian Rogers, remember him? He was the pastor of First Baptist or Bellevue Baptist, I think it was, in Memphis. And uh, great, great preacher. And, and uh, I met him a couple of times over the years, but didn't really know him that well, but had met him and talked with him. But he said the study of the history of revival He said, God has always set revival in the darkest days. Oh, for a mighty sweeping revival today. I believe he said that at the National Religious Broadcasting Convention. It's so true. It's in the darkest days that God lights up the light. And we begin to see the hand of God more clearly than we might have seen it in the past. I want to talk to you a little bit about the conditions in our world today and God's response to that, I believe with all my heart. I want to thank you for your support of this ministry. It means a great deal to me. We are, this is a spiritual battle. If you say something in the culture today, it will be challenged on every level. Believe me. And I want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for standing with us and what we do financially. We need it. I got this letter in the mail. I got it, I think it was yesterday. I don't have much, dear Gary, I don't have much money, but I know we have decided (laughs) to send this amount every month. My first monthly payment is my tithe, then my rent, then faith and freedom, Gary Randall. We will do this as long as we can because... You do a great service to our area. This was from uh, the Seattle area. It's a suburb of Seattle. And uh, people aren't able to do a lot, but they're committing to what they can do. And I appreciate that so much. We got got this letter, and I get these a lot from you. And believe me, I'm mindful of it. I read it. it. It's not, I read it in total humility. But I thank you so much for your support and your spiritual support and your prayer support and so on. Brother Gary and team, thank you so much for what you do. It means so much to so many of us who hear your broadcasts, which resonate so deeply with us in these times that we live in. Thanks for boldly and courageously speaking God's truth in love and for being so courageous to do so in times like this. As I said, these are not times that our message is sometimes (laughs) gladly accepted. But I'm doing what I feel God has called us to do. And um, I'm very, very at peace in that. 
Thank you for standing with us. We need your support. We need it in each of the areas, the station you're listening to. We are paying to be on that station. And we have a budget now that's in the thousands of dollars every month, as you can imagine, many thousands. Thank you for standing with us. We need your help. We need your prayers. We need your support. And I make no apology. If you don't feel like God's leading you to do that, then you shouldn't do it. But if God would speak to your heart, I encourage you to stand with us in these times. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. In 2018, Barna Research published this. They said, five years ago, they said it it may come as no surprise that the influence of Christianity in the United States is waning. Rates of church attendance, religious affiliation, belief in God, prayer, Bible reading have been dropping for decades, they said. American beliefs are becoming more post-Christian and concurrently religious identity is changing. Enter Generation Z, they wrote. Born between 1999 and 2015, they are the first truly post-Christian generation. I believe the winds are changing. I'm sure what they said was right back then, I mean, at the moment. But I believe the winds are changing among our youth. Barna went on to explain that more than any other generation before them, Gen Z does not assert a religious identity. They may be drawn to things spiritual, but for a vast, vastly different starting point from previous generations, many of whom received a basic education on the Bible and Christianity, and it shows. The percentage of Gen Z, Barna said in 2018, that identifies as atheist is double that of the U.S. adult population. Well, it's only gotten worse since then. But he was right. He said they found that Gen Z, for that for Gen Z, atheist is no longer a dirty word. Well, we have now we have the Satanic Temple opening, opening clubs all over America in schools that have a Bible club in them. They, we have them being presented as a legitimate. You have your Christians, you have your Buddhists, you have your Satanic Club. I mean, it's been normalized in many regards. So they said three out of four boomers are are Protestant or Catholic Christians with just three in five 13 to 18-year-olds say they're some kind of a Christian. Directly related to all of these findings was another poll that Barna put out in 2021. Nearly 40% of U.S. Gen Z's, 30% of young Christians identify they were saying now, in 2021, just two years ago, about a year and a half ago, actually, this was toward the end of the year that they did this, they find that 30% of young Christians, young Christians now identify as LGBTQ+. Looking at things through natural eyes, I think without faith or spiritual insight, it's not good for America and it's not good for our youth. Things are not going well regarding faith in Jesus Christ. So who would think that an awakening is boiling just under the surface? I do. And I'm not the only one. I've been following some of these people that are thinking like I am. And they're feeling in their spirit something is about to break open. Dr. Michael Brown, he's been around for a long time. He wrote an article recently 
he said he was talking straight from his heart. He understood that there were people that probably would not agree with him. But he said he talked about the attitudes towards spiritual matters and the polls at all. I, I mean, they, they don't reflect a good, a, a, good, a good story. But Brown's article was published in several different publications. It wasn't just one. He, he's pretty well known. And he's widely read as an author. He's written several books and he writes a lot of articles. He has a radio program, too. Anyway, he said, I want to share part of what what is going on in our culture that I feel deeply in my heart. And I want to share with you some of the things that he observed in his um, in this column. And it's out there. You may have seen it. It's published. I saw it in, I don't know, at least three or four or five different publications. But any, anyway, he says, why then do I say that a youth awakening has already begun in America? It's certainly not by way of a published statistical analysis, nor is it by my own personal surveying of hundreds of churches and youth ministries in America. Instead, he said, it is something I sense in my spirit, reinforced by something I have been witnessing with increasing frequency, namely deep, powerful movings of the spirit among spiritually hungry young people. Added to this is the ripeness of the harvest among the younger generation because of the increasing anxiety and the depression and the loneliness and the fear and uncertainty which they often experience. He said this makes them more open to look to God for help and transformation. He said recently Pastor Brent Simpson sent a picture to me taken after the end of a Sunday night service on January 29th. He said, Brent is an ordained Assembly of God minister who leads a a Rise Church, that's the name of it, a Rise Church in Tampa with three local campuses. He also helps church planters and helps revitalize older dying congregations and so on. He said, on January 29th was the last day of a 21-day corporate fast of this church and its other campus churches, meaning that many of the members fasted during some or all of the time period, also gathering for special times of prayer, and it was about a revival among this generation. At the end of the service, he said, this pastor says, I called on all present to surrender their lives with a new commitment to Christ and his calling and his mission. He said, I then called on all the young people in attendance to join me on the platform. It was a massive response. He said, the platform, the whole front of the church, it looks like quite a large church. He said the young people began to cry out to God for a revival in their own hearts and one in their peers, in their generation. He said, I, I then turned to these young people and said with full assurance, Brown is quoting the pastor here, in faith, he said, look at me, I'm not dreaming. You're going to see it with your own eyes. You're going to see a great youth awakening. You're going to see it. I don't know this pastor, never met him, I've never heard of him, but I agree. God is moving among the youth in America, and we must recognize that and pray for them if we're not one of them. I'm convinced that something is afoot here in America, he said. Dr. Michael Brown said, I agree. He said, I don't say this because of a single service at a single church that sent me a picture. He said, I'm seeing this all across America. Of course, God has always been on the move in every generation, he says, but there's always been small pockets of spiritually hungry young people. I'm grateful for the multiplied thousands who have been seeking God in prayer and fasting for the last 25 years. But he said, this is something different. 
and it is. And it's continuing with the Nazarenes, with the Assembly of God, with the Baptist, with the Foursquare, with the Calvary Chapel. It doesn't matter what the denomination. God is moving. We'll continue our conversation tomorrow. Thanks for being with me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.